0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. As we wrap up, what's been another very busy week. The Senate passes their Farm Bill 86 to 11. We look ahead to the conference committee And joining us a little bit later in the program to take a look ahead will be the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson. His thoughts on the two bills and what he thinks may happen in that conference committee. We'll talk with ranking member Peterson a little bit later on. Also looking ahead today, we're looking ahead to the Farm Progress Show just two months away in Boone, Iowa. And Matt Youngman, director of trade shows for Farm Progress, will join us to tell us how preparations are going for this year's show. But right now, with his thoughts on yesterday's interesting day in the Senate, we have Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. It took some interesting uh, uh, political maneuvering, leadership by uh, Chairman Roberts, but uh, when it was all said and done, it passed big.
2: It certainly did. Uh, This is a fabulous day. Uh, the, The vote was 86 to 11. I haven't gone back and checked the records, but that must be one of the highest percentages by which a farm bill has ever passed the Senate. It really was a remarkable performance, but I have to admit, until until the final votes happened, we were wondering whether anything was going to happen. It was all going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to watch it play out. We started with the, the roadblock that uh, Senator Rubio put up. Uh, How did they get around that when it came to uh, his concerns about uh, trade and uh, assistance for Cuba?
2: Well, uh, Rubio's concern was with an amendment that was sponsored by Senator Heidi Heitkamp of North Dakota and others uh, that would allow the Agriculture Department to spend trade promotion money in Cuba to encourage the Cubans to buy more American products and rubio who is cuban american and also senator cruz and senator menendez who are also cuban americans were concerned that these farmers and others who go down to visit cuba to promote their products might stay in hotels that are owned by the cuban military and they did not want any of that money to go to the cuban military um... and so they finally added a rubio amendment that says uh... that that the uh, the Agriculture Department has to follow the current standards that are followed by other agencies in terms of dealing with Cuba. Seems like a minor issue, but Senator Stabenow, the ranking member, told me it took a day and a half to resolve it because so many in offices were interested in the Cuba issue. That just shows you how compelling the Cuba issue is with both farmers and with members of Congress.
1: Now, on crop insurance, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin was pushing for uh a proposal to reform crop insurance. How, what compromise did they come to on that?
2: Well, Durbin did not offer his amendment, which would have been means testing. Uh, if you were a really rich farmer, you wouldn't have been able to get the, uh, the subsidies for crop insurance. Uh, and there were reports this morning that uh, he was, uh, you might say, bought off by some provisions uh, to help with medical care in rural areas.
1: So that was a key area then. There was a lot done as we look at what's actually in the bill. Um, conservation and dairy. What what stood out about what they did with those two areas?
2: Well, the, uh, on dairy, they would expand the uh, the or improve the dairy benefits uh, slightly, but most of that was taken care of in a bill earlier this year. On conservation, one of the key provisions is that there would they would allow some more grazing and haying on CRP land, Uh, and that was put forward by Senator Thune from South Dakota.
1: It was also interesting. There was an attempt to uh, get some language in there concerning uh, some changes for the uh, SNAP uh, program, the requirements there. Maybe not as far as what the House did, but at least some language headed in that direction. What happened with that?
2: Well, that was rejected mightily by a vote of 68 to 30. Uh, The provisions would have required food stamp beneficiaries to show a photo ID every time they bought food food with food stamps in the grocery stores, but the grocery store industry rebelled against this very strongly. Uh, There was also an attempt at some work requirements for able-bodied Americans without dependents, uh, but that was part of the same measure, and that was uh, that was rejected. Uh, I think that the rejection of those measures so, shows how strongly the Senate wants to maintain the uh, current food stamp uh, program, with only some rather small changes that are put in uh, in the Senate bill.
1: Chairman Roberts uh, even said afterwards that uh, he probably should have explained what how they dealt with SNAP and in, in, in this bill a little bit more made it more clear to uh, fellow Republicans uh, it, it was interesting that all 11 no votes actually came from Republicans on the bill
2: indeed uh, indeed it uh, it was interesting it was all yeah it was all Republicans who voted against it uh, I think the Republic the Democrats always feel that that uh, they are kind of painted with not doing enough in rural America because most of their Voters are in the urban areas, and so they wanted to show that they were uh, they were supportive, also that they were supportive of the way that the that the Senate bill uh, handles the uh, the food stamp issue. Uh, I think that going into the conference, the republic the excuse me not the Republicans, but the Senate is going to have a very strong hand because their vote was 86 to 11, while the House vote was only 213 to 211. Uh, which means that the support in the House for their own bill is not nearly as strong as the support in the Senate for their bill.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with Ranking Member Peterson a little bit later on to get his thoughts on that. what should be a very interesting conference committee. Uh, Jerry, it was interesting, too, that um, some use the Farm Bill debate as a platform to uh, challenge uh, the president's uh, power to put these tariffs on in trade.
2: Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Bob Corker uh, has, a, ha, has a bill that would require the, uh, the uh, tariffs imposed for national security reasons uh, to come before the Congress. Uh, he did not succeed in getting that uh, to come to a vote. The Senate leadership rejected that uh, proposal, and he also voted against the bill, uh, pro- and uh, so did Senator Toomey. Uh, who was his co-sponsor on that, uh, um, but the, you know, this, the issue of the tariffs is continuing to come up, and Senator Roberts said it was particularly important to pass the bill uh, because it would provide more certainty to the, to the farmers in a period in which the tariffs may lead to uh, unforeseen circumstances.
1: All right, so Congress takes your Fourth of July recess next week. Uh, how soon will that conference committee get started, do you think?
2: Well, before they can get started, they have to appoint the conferees, and I imagine that that will happen the week after they get back. Uh, but, of course, the four dominant people in that are going to be uh, P- uh, Stabenow and Roberts and Peterson and Conway, and, Con- and Peterson says he's going to mostly side with the uh, with the senators because he so detests the SNAP provisions in the in
1: the House bill. Yep, and we'll be talking with Colin Peterson here in just a little bit. Well, an interesting day for sure. Jerry, thanks for your thoughts on it. We appreciate it. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you soon. All right, take care. Jerry Hagstrom from the Hagstrom Report, looking at yesterday's vote in the Senate, the Farm Bill passing 86 to 11. On now to a conference committee with the house coming up next though we're going to look ahead to the farm progress show just a couple of months away matt youngman director of trade shows for farm progress will give us an update on how things are going next on adams on agriculture
3: plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
1: I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part
4: is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1 800 489 7204. 1 800 489 7204. That's 1 800 489 7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed Debt Management Service Provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DMA 0031.
5: All right, crew, let's get her dug.
6: brought to you by common ground alliance information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on
0: agriculture
1: now back to Mike Adams welcome back time for our farm progress show preview brought to you by acuron corn herbicide from syngenta an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average acuron is a restricted use pesticide joining us is the director of trade shows for farm progress matt youngman matt thanks for joining us under two months away now from this year's show in boone iowa are things starting to pick up around the show site
7: yeah everything's uh, it, it it doesn't physically look any different but we're sure spending a lot of time there uh you know double checking things and and putting the finishing touches on the the things that we need to have for the show program the show program uh, is kind of the the go no go if it's in the show program then it's going to happen and if it's not then it's not going to happen at the show so this is one of those first hard deadlines that you come to when you're talking to all right exhibitor what you know you're going through this merger what's your name actually going to be in the show program on on august 28th when the when the when the gates open a lot of those kind of kind of details start to firm up about july 4th
1: yeah so it starts you start feeling uh you know the anticipation starts growing now doesn't you know it's getting pretty close and you have to start making some of those final hard decisions so you know you're getting close to the show
7: yeah the the tension the tension just kind of ramps up as you you know it's 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 pretty calm and cool and easy to talk about it you know, through the winter months and, and get the corn planted and everything goes well there, and you're just watching heat units to make sure the field demos are good. But now it's 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 kind of coming down to you're making decisions on things that you can't change. This is how you're going to have to live with it uh, come showtime. And so, you know, those are, you know, as you start to make those decisions, you, you are, you're locking yourself in for things. So, you know, we want to make sure that, that when the visitors walk through the gate at 8 o'clock on, on the 28th of August that, that everything is just perfect and so, you know, that, that's what kind of leads to a little bit of the pressure to make sure that it's right with everything that you're touching right now.
1: How do crops look in the Boone, Iowa area?
7: They've, they've gotten a lot of big rains. Um, you know, we've, we've, I've had, been fortunate enough to talk to you several times as we've gone through the year here, and um, the, the corn got in in, in good time, um, and then it got up and got going, and then they started getting these two- to six-inch rains kind of streaming through the area and and so we've got some some areas that are flooded out and and it's kind of what you'd expect for a crop in central iowa that's that's been through that but uh, all in all you know we're in great shape there's there's nothing that's happened that's going to harm the show so that's you know that's the moral of the story everything is in good shape for the field demonstrations and um you know with with the attention that we're going to have out there with some new products being unveiled and and the ride and drives and Adding tiling demonstrations to the field demonstrations for the first time uh, at the Boone site. There's there's a lot of lot of excitement and anticipation around making sure that crop is is good to go uh, at the end of August.
1: Sounds like a good year to have the tiling demonstrations.
7: It certainly does. You know you can you can about tell if you know if if you get get a drone shot of the field demo field, you can tell the field that we're going to do the tiling demo on. Um, it's going to do it a lot of good and. and you know, as a part of that tiling demonstration, uh, you know, nutrients and nitrates in the water in central Iowa is a is a very hot topic uh, to folks in that region. And so, you know, we're putting in a first-class modern uh, drainage system with a partnership with Timewell uh, to, to you know, do a good job, be good stewards of the land, and, and still get that land drained so that, um, you know, getting, getting good tile under those acres is not just good for the, the field demo aspect of the 2018 show. Getting those fields dried out faster is going to be helpful for future farm progress shows when we're maybe a little wet to roll the planter, but we've got good weather in front of us, okay, let's let's go ahead and roll it. Um, getting those fields dried out so we can get the crops in on time is going to be beneficial, you know, on down the road for a lot of future farm progress shows.
1: Any structural changes to the show site?
7: Um, Case IH has added uh a new a big new building um agco and gsi are working together on a really cool structure uh that's gonna that's really gonna be an eye catcher uh there at the show um, a lot of lot of a lot of folks putting in gravel and making some some kind of infrastructure improvements but uh you know it's when you when you take two years off when you when you have a skip year there when we when we're in decatur um there's a lot of change in the industry between the 2016 show and the 2018 show so you can be sure it'll be a, a different show, just just from the standpoint of of getting your questions answered in terms of all of these mergers and acquisitions that have occur, occurred uh, in the last year or so. You know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of a lot of the same folks wearing different hats, and a lot of a lot of exhibits that used to have this name on it have a different name on it. So, getting those questions answered, I think, is going to be a highlight for uh, for the show this year for the visitors.
1: Amazing how much changes in. One year, let alone two years. So uh, yeah, exactly. there'll be quite a few. Matt Youngman, director of trade shows for Farm Progress, with us. Uh, Matt, how many exhibitors will you have at the show?
7: We're right at about five fifty right now. We'll have we'll have you know another dozen or so sprinkle in here uh, between now and showtime. But but we're you know we're shaping up for a full show site. Uh, you know the exhibitors. You know it seems that that whether the whether the ag economy is up or down they certainly pull out all the stops at the farm progress show. And we're, we're awful appreciative of that because they're, they do a great job. You know, the visitors that we're talking to right now, they're not there to see anything that that I'm doing. They're there to see what those exhibitors have to offer. And so, you know, that's the, that's the key component to it is that we get those exhibitors that are there pulling out all those stops.
1: And of course, uh, I'm sure there'll be some new products, new technology that will be introduced, unveiled there at the show this year.
7: Absolutely. You know, there's, it's it's fun, and we talk about this all the time. But it's kind of fun to be on the backside of this, and and you know know what's coming. But I can't talk about it yet. I, you know, I can talk about the tiling demos are new, and I can talk about the, the the new ideal combine from AGCO and a couple of other things. But then there's always those things that that you can't talk about that are a, you know a surprise on at eight o'clock on Tuesday morning that are making a, a global unveiling. So lots of that kind of thing just can't say what they all are.
1: Matt, when you look at the crowds for Boone and the crowd for Decatur, obviously some folks will go to either one, but do you see a noticeably different cr- crowd uh, from a different geographic area when it's in Boone as, it w- as opposed to when it's in, uh, in comparison when it's in uh, Decatur, Illinois?
7: Well, you know, the, the, the majority of the visitors come from, you know, a three, three and a half hour drive time around each one of the shows, whether you're looking at a Farm Progress show in Decatur or a Farm Progress show in Boone or even a, Husker Harvest Days in Grand Island, Nebraska, um, you know, the majority come from there. So so the makeup of the farmer changes, the average farmer changes as you go further west. You you know, when you're in Decatur, it's, a, it's, it's corn and soybeans, and, and, and that's, you know, that is very apparent. And then as you start to go west, there's just more and more and more livestock. So a Boone Farm Progress show is a lot heavier on cow, calf, and feedlot then a Decatur, and then you go on further west to, to Grand Island, Nebraska, and that makeup changes again, and 25% of the show is, is cow-calf, feedlot, cattle, stockers, you know, and, and the, the equipment that goes along with it. And it's interesting to watch the exhibitors' layout change. You know, if you look at a big exhibitor like John Deere or Case IH, the further west you go, the more prominent a round baler or a windrower or some of those kind of things become, and, and Boone's a little bit halfway between a, a Husker Harvest Days and a Decatur Farm Progress show.
1: Is interesting to see how that works from Decatur to Boone to Grand Island. Speaking of Grand Island, I know you're really excited about all the improvements on the show site there for Husker Harvest Days, and how are things getting going there to get ready for that show?
7: Well, the, the substantial completion date of the contractor uh, is July 1st, so that is just right. <laughs> That's just not you know we're we're on top of that right now. So they are essential they they're in the process of moving out. There's still a lot of uh, the electricians are doing some wiring, and the fence companies are, are putting up the fence. The, the light towers are, are going up as we speak, you know, the big 90-foot light towers. And, and when those towers go up, then you mount the PA systems on them. You mount the Internet distribution systems on them. And so uh, we're, we're getting down to the point where it's finishing touches. And, you know, you went through this with us in Decatur, and you went through this with us in Boone. Uh, to say that we're substantially complete on July first is a lot different than what we had at those two sites. We were we were yeah. we called it substantially complete when we opened the doors, but it you know it was hardly that. So it's pretty comfortable to see this thing um, come together as quickly and as, as efficiently and as well as it's come together.
1: Yeah, I remember some stressful times you had when you were opening the the Decatur site, especially.
7: yeah, those those build dates started in March and closed in in August. And now these this started in November and is closing in July so it's been a lot more a lot more comfortable
1: so looking ahead to July what's your next big event for this year's farm progress show Matt
7: so it you know it, it starts to it starts the, the next big thing that happens are wood stakes start to go in the ground the, the, the lot stake that separates this exhibitor from that one goes in the ground starting about you know starting here in the next week or so and and that's when it all starts to physically happen you know in the over the course of july uh we'll go from a bare show site to having all of the major vendors moved in and living on site the landscapers and the tent companies and the folks that, that start to lay that that groundwork so uh, over the next month you're going to see tents start to fly you're going to see a lot of wood chips going down you're going to see um stone walkways being laid into exhibits and 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 a lot of that a lot of that background stuff, or a lot of that foundational, those foundational things, electrical like. distribution, internet distribution, that kind of thing, so that once all it that is done, then you're ready to go.
1: Yeah, it happens in a hurry. All right, Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Mike. Our Farm Progress Show preview series brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide.
0: it's time now for a market update here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Grain and oil seed sector firm on a Friday ahead of new USDA report numbers. The Ag Department releasing acreage and grain stocks at 11 Central Time. Average pre-report guess for U.S. corn plantings, 88.4 million acres. That would be up slightly from the March estimate. For soybeans, survey says traders expect USDA to estimate million acres planted in 2018, up from the 89 million acres USDA estimated in March. In the futures, an hour into the trading day, we're 5 to 6 cents higher in corn and soybean futures. Wheat futures trending 11 to 15 cents higher. China canceled purchases of 120,000 metric tons of U.S. soybeans for 2017-18, according to Thursday's weekly exports update an overnight sale announced to Mexico however new crop November soybeans the Bears continue to press on the market daily chart support seen at 864 and a half the 10-day moving average acting as resistance at 905 and a quarter in corn new crop December breaking old support at 368 and three quarters that now becomes resistance. And we've been trending just above it so far on this Friday trading session. For livestock at the Merck in lean hog futures, losses August through December 55 to $2.35 lower. Hog farmers raising more pigs than ever. USDA said Thursday that the national hog and pig herd totaled 73.5 million head as of June 1st, 3% above the same time a year earlier, and a quarterly record. Narrow mix in live cattle futures on this Friday. The Dow up over 200 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halberson. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on agriculture. Now
1: back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. So yesterday, the Senate passes uh, their farm bill by a vote of eighty-six to eleven. All eleven no votes. Uh, Interesting were made by republicans but still overwhelming support for the bill and now we look ahead to the conference committee someone who'll be very a very big part of that conference committee joins us now the ranking member of the house agriculture committee minnesota congressman colin peterson thanks for joining us good to talk to you again
8: yeah thanks. glad to be with you mike uh
1: what are your thoughts on the senate bill that passed yesterday
8: but uh, I congratulate them. I, I um, talked to uh, both of them, you know, last week, and I sent out a statement this morning. You know, they did a good job. They uh, worked a uh, bipartisan basis, and you saw the outcome. And, uh, you know, that's what I've been trying to argue over in the House, is that uh, this is where the Senate was heading. And I don't know uh, how this is going to work out. I'm not... <laughs> I can't, I don't have a crystal ball, but all I can say is that I'm going to do what I can to uh, make sure we get a successful outcome here and get a bill that can pass uh, both houses. And uh, But how that's going to work, I'm not sure.
1: It's been said and speculated that uh, you're going to be much more in favor of the Senate bill. Obviously, you had a lot of problems with the House bill, didn't vote for it, that uh, you're more in line with the Senate bill. Is that correct?
8: Yeah, well, I don't know exactly how the process is going to work in the conference committee. The Senate is chairing at this time. Um, And apparently, uh, I guess the way traditionally things have worked is that the things get resolved on each side by themselves, so there's not really an opportunity. I don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but um, I want to be helpful. I want to help try to get to a resolution, but uh, I can tell you this, I am not going to be part of any right-wing fantasy, and I don't think the Senate is either, so (laughs) if people will get to reality and uh, work on this, I think we can get it done.
1: Obviously two different approaches to SNAP, of what we saw in the House versus uh, the approach taken in the Senate. They didn't do uh, anything major in the Senate, although there were some things in there Senator Roberts said that, that they they addressed. Uh, do you see that as the huge issue in conference?
8: I think it's going to be one of the biggest issues uh, for the Democrats in the House, uh, probably the biggest issue uh, for the Democrats in the House. Um, you know, the, um, this morning they came out with a. Uh, I haven't had chance to read it yet, but apparently there's an IG report that says that the states have been uh, not doing their job, and that the error rate on SNAP is a lot higher than it. Uh, people have been reporting, and that the states have been cheating on this in terms of reporting. So I'm going to look into that. But what I've said, you know, I mean, what, these this work requirements. We have work requirements. That's been in the law since 96. The problem is uh, we've allowed these states to get around them uh, in all different kinds of ways, and we've allowed the states to set their own levels of payments uh, and not having any skin in the game. So, you know, there's there's a lot of other things that, you know, need to be uh, done and SNAP if The work requirements are not... The issue. All that does is divide people. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm all for, um, you know, making SNAP more efficient, making uh, sure that the people that get SNAP are ones that deserve it, and the ones that shouldn't uh, don't get it. Uh, I'm all for that. And we had 23 hearings, and what was brought up in those hearings of things that we should fix, none of that got into the House bill. And what was put in the House bill had not been brought up in any of those twenty-three hearings. And so, again, if you would just if they just get the reality on this, uh, I think we could work this out.
1: As far as dairy is concerned, that's something I know you work very hard on. What did you think of the Senate approach to dairy assistance?
8: Well, it's um, you know I told them last when they did the CR that they should go to nine bucks on on uh, the margin. And they didn't listen. Uh, had they have gone to nine dollars back then, uh, you know, this payment that's going to be coming out for this year would have been over fifty thousand dollars instead of twelve thousand dollars, which is what these producers need. Uh, twelve thousand $12, dollars is not going to fix the problem for some of these folks. Uh, and so, going forward, if you don't have nine dollar margin, this is not going to work. Um, it's it's. Uh, the margins are being forecasted on in the future. They're going to be over 8 bucks. Uh, the only reason people are going to get payments this year is because they made it retroactive. So people are going to be able to buy the coverage knowing what they're going to get, knowing they're going to come out in an advantage. And even with that, we didn't even get up to 80% sign-up after we uh, extended it twice. And that shows you how unpopular this program is distrusted and so forth. So uh, I'm not sure you can save the MPP program because it's so distrusted. Uh, But uh, what they've done over in the Senate, not only did they do the $9, uh, they also cut the premiums uh, on the smaller producers, uh, which I guess I don't have a problem with, but I'm not sure they're going to sign up anyway. And, And then they put a provision in to help the big guys uh, be able to go to five dollars catastrophic without having to pay for it, so I don't know. I mean, it's um, you know, I really uh, I can support it, but I'm not sure it's going to
1: work. We're talking with the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson. Um, what do you think about crop insurance and how it came through both bills?
8: Well, it uh, survived, and uh, you know it's. It, it's good thing we didn't get any of these damaging amendments uh, which could have undermined the whole system you know so that's a very positive thing but you know what people don't uh, understand uh, you know (laughs) crop insurance is permanently authorized it doesn't even need to be in the farm bill Uh, if there's no farm bill crop insurance will go on without it's one of the things that doesn't need a farm bill uh, the other one that doesn't need a farm bill is uh, food stamps. Uh, SNAP, they're permanently authorized. You know. So it's a good thing. Um, that's one of the most important things uh, farmers depend on, and uh, so I'm glad that we were able to get that through the system without any really damaging amendments.
1: What will your approach be in the conference committee, Uh, having been through these? As you said, this one's going to be a little different. Uh, What's the dynamic within a conference committee? Kind of take us inside those, how they work.
8: Well, we uh, get together. Uh, The first thing is we've got to get both houses to agree to go to conference, and that's not necessarily a slam dunk because there's one issue that a lot of people don't know about it, but once the conferees are appointed, then this clock uh, starts to tick, and you have only a certain amount of time before you subject the situation to uh, motions to instruct on the floor, Uh, so the majority party uh, doesn't want to set up the conference any sooner than it has to because they don't want to have to have amendments or motions to instruct that Are political, which generally they are, that make their people vote against. So uh, that's the first thing is getting this thing um, into conference and get the conference started. Once the conference is started, then you're going to have I don't know how you got to decide how many people are going to be on the conference. Uh, As I understand it, they're uh, arguing for a smaller number of people, uh, which I really don't have a problem with. Uh, but then, once the conference starts, then the first thing that happens, we have a public meeting, and everybody has to make speeches, you know, and so that'll take a while. Uh, and that really doesn't mean anything other than, you know, people get it off their chest. Then, after that, the uh, four of us kind of get together and our staffs and try to figure out how to untangle all this stuff. And uh, that's really the main thing, you know, now. Uh, There have been uh, some times when we've gotten together and allowed the members to offer uh, amendments. I'm not sure that's going to happen. You know, it all depends on how Senator Roberts wants to run it because he's going to be the chairman this time. So, uh, you know, all I can say is my approach is going to be to try to be helpful and, uh, you know, try to keep the people out of the ditch. But I have not been successful so far, so we'll see what happens.
1: (laughs) Have you had any conversations with Chairman Conaway about it yet?
8: No, no. And his staff has not reached out to my staff, so that's not a good uh, <laughs> good way to start this, to <laughs> say that.
1: Do you anticipate, I'm asking you look in that crystal ball again, uh, will we get a farm bill done this year?
8: Well, we should. I think we could actually get this done by the August recess. Uh, there's no reason why we can't get this done. If people get off their high horse and and realize, you know, uh, what's doable and what's, you know, I mean, the Senate's not going to do this uh, right-wing snap stuff. Uh, They're not going to, you know, and I've told them that from the start. So how they get out of that, I'm not sure, but, you know, if they get that, if they get something on SNAP that's similar to what the Senate has, then I can deliver a lot of Democratic votes in the House. And that's what it's going to take to get this thing done at the end. How we get there, I don't know. But I'm going to try to be helpful to so they can get us there.
1: All right. It'll be interesting for sure. We look forward to talking with you again about it. Thank you for being with us. Have a good Fourth of July. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Minnesota Congressman Colin Peterson, the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee. He'll be a key figure in this conference committee. And as you heard him say, um, you know, there's still those things to work out, especially on the SNAP program. Uh, He's more in line with the the Senate uh, approach than the House approach. We'll talk more about that uh, Senate action yesterday on the Farm Bill with some interesting things going on behind the scenes. We'll talk about it more when we come back on Adams on Agriculture.
5: We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time need a car, get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way.
3: Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA Recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor or SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the US Food and Drug Administration.
8: Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. And you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. That's right.
4: Get four My Pillows. Two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order My Pillow at 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four My Pillows for the price of one. Call 800 871 7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout, use promo code FARM11.
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Well, some interesting comments we just heard from the ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, Colin Peterson, who um, obviously favors that uh, Senate version, Senate approach on a lot of these issues more than uh, the House. And he says if uh, if they go more towards uh, the Senate approach on SNAP, that he can deliver a lot of Uh, Democratic votes but he's kind of waiting to see he still hasn't uh, been talking with uh, Chairman Conaway says uh, he's not heard from him or his office Um, he also said he's not sure the Dairy Margin Protection Program can be saved and he also said that um, if things go well that uh, they could have a a bill done by the August recess but uh, he's uh, still kind of waiting to hear and says he wants to be helpful Uh, But they still have to put the committee together and some things to get done here before they get started on that. Let's talk about that with our next guest, the senior editor for AgriPulse Communications, Philip Brasher. Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, First of all, it was uh, kind of a fascinating day, if you like, uh, political drama and theater, uh, to watch uh, the maneuverings that were going on up front and behind the scenes. And then when it was all said and done, the dust clears and you get an 86 to 11 passage of the Farm Bill.
4: Wow. Yeah, Mike, that, that was a remarkable. That that margin. Uh, you know, farm bills are you know usually bipartisan. There have been a few exceptions. But I had to go all the way back to 1973 to find a margin that lopsided, uh, tremendous support. Only only 11 Republicans uh, voted against it. All the Democrats uh, voted for it. Uh, one was uh, one was absent, but that was uh, uh, really unusual. Uh, in terms of the bipartisanship uh, bipartisan support for that bill.
1: Yeah, you look back now and you, this is interesting. No Democrats voted for the House bill. All the Democrats voted for the Senate bill.
4: <laughs> yes, 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 they did. Well, there's a couple things going on I think. One, Democrats got a lot into this bill. Thanks to Debbie Stabenow, the ranking member on uh, Senate Agriculture Committee, who worked very closely with the chairman Pat Roberts uh, uh, in, in developing this bill and also on amendments, uh, in deciding what amendments got into the bill on the floor. So that was the so Democrats got a lot into the bill. I think also with an election year, Democrats are very sensitive about. Uh, uh, you know, Trying to reach out uh, to rural rural America uh, more than they have in some, some, some years in the past, so I think that uh, that was a factor as well. And also, it's a tough uh, tough times in agriculture, and there's so much anxiety about the trade right now that I, that's been uh, really overlaid uh, the politics here in D.C. and it's really changed it significantly from uh, the situation we saw back in 2012 and 2013 when they. Uh, when they wrote the
1: uh, current law. Well, there'll be a lot of interesting storylines in this conference committee. Obviously, the snap differences will be front and center. Uh, It'll also be interesting now that Senator Grassley got his payment limit language into the Senate bill, which the House does not have. I wonder how big of an issue that will be in conference.
4: Uh, yeah, that's a, a little bit of a surprise that he got it in so easily. However, I did ask uh, Chairman uh, Roberts uh, whether he would advocate for that uh, uh, for that grassroots language in uh, the conference committee, and he said, quote, to be determined. So hmm. uh, I'm pretty sh- you know, over on the House, the House negotiators are not going to be supporting that uh, language uh, and uh, if uh, Chairman Roberts is uh, neutral, it's uh, not going to have a lot of defenders. But it could be a negotiating leverage with the House, um, the provisions that they have that kind of loosen up some of the eligibility rules on commodity programs.
1: Phil, for, from what you've seen in the past on, on putting together a conference committee, how key is it who's on there once you get past the big four, which are your chairman and ranking members, how significant are the other people on that uh, conference committee
4: well they can't be they can't be pretty significant i think this year what you've got going into conference there are some policy differences on conservation most, uh, and obviously on nutrition assistance but that really is uh, that's really going to be determined outside the conference committee by leadership and by the president uh, in terms of what the president will find uh but do the big issues for these negotiations are going to be funding related, in terms of which programs get funded, at what level, and where that money comes from. The Senate and House bills take different approaches to that. And also on the conservation title, uh, the big differences there on uh, Conservation Reserve Program in particular, that is, a, that is a special interest of Colin Peterson that you just talked to, a uh, top Democrat on the House Agriculture Committee, and obviously one of the big four in the Conference committee. So um, one question would be whether John Boone, who's uh, also like Peterson, wants to really increase the cap on CRP, whether he'll be on the conference committee, uh, that's a major issue for him, and he is hoping to work with Peterson on that issue.
1: Yeah, when you get to issues like that, then who's on the committee does make a difference, I think, don't you?
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how much support uh, uh, Colin Peterson has on that, yeah. That's a major issue for for John Thune, senator from South Dakota, and uh, he didn't get anything. Uh, he, he didn't get that cap raised beyond just 24 to 25 million acres in the Senate bill. It was all the way to 29 million acres in the House bill. Boone wanted to get to 29 million in the Senate bill, but uh, couldn't do it.
1: Yeah, so so we'll see what at, happens uh, for the House. But, but as you said, funding that's that's a big issue where they pay for these things that's and how they what their approach will be on that that'll be a big big area
4: right the uh, the senate bill relied heavily on on dipping into, into an escrow account that the rural electric cooperatives use i'm going to get too far into the to the weeds here but they got 2.3 billion dollars out of that uh, the, the rural electric co-ops aren't too happy about it but uh, it's a very significant amount of money they also got some money from an increase in customs fees in the year 2027. Uh, hmm. So those are a couple of things to watch. Uh, that are in the Senate bill. The House bill, they got their money uh, from eliminating the conservation stewardship program, uh, yep. which is something so, that's not going to fly with the Senate negotiators.
1: We'll see how it all plays out. Thanks, Phil. Always right. appreciate your time. Okay,
4: guys. Great to be here. Thanks.
1: Senior editor for AgriPulse Communications, Philip Brasher an interesting week, another interesting week coming up. Have a great weekend, everyone. Join us again on Monday on Adams on Agriculture.